What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Podcast. My name's Scott, here with Michael and Drew, as always. And today, we are discussing the Daedric Prince of Madness, Sheogorath. So, which one of you guys would like to start us off? I think as resident Daedrologist, oh, that would never have true. seen that coming. <laughs> he is the shadow on your subconscious, the blemish on your fragile little psyche. Basically, he's the Daedra Lord of mental illness. And that's, you know, kind of insidious, kind of dangerous. It's one of the reasons why he's one of the four corners of the House of Troubles. You know, he's not going to... He's not like Malakaf. He's not going to test your physical strength. You're not going to get your legs and arms chopped off. But there's a very good chance that if exposed to him a bit too much, he'll lure you into the aisles. He'll drive you insane. And, you know, it doesn't mm. bode well. He's like... No, I think I think he's one of those Daedric princes that are very much motivated, not well by self-interest, but also just by self-entertainment. Like it doesn't have to have some like long-term goal with what he's doing. And he's the kind of Daedric lord that inherently you can't rely on. You can call him upon you only for him to help you, or for him to turn on you and drive you crazy, or do something you would never see coming. I feel like so, it'd be pretty fair to say that he's the opposite of reason. Like he's the polar opposite of of Jigalag, which is like order. It's methodical. It's everything. And you know, obviously, we'll get into this, but and I mean, you you can see why he's so strongly associated with mortals because if if we had to kind of really differentiate between gods and mortals in the elder scrolls universe and i guess like mortals in general in the real world um you kind of assume that gods are to an extent kind of infallible whereas the human mind is is very hard to understand and it's like you know if say you have a physical problem say you have an illness you can it's it's more black and white if you can diagnose a problem whereas what's going on in your mind you know is a mystery to us with our science let alone in the in the world of the elder scrolls on tamriel where shagorath pretty much has free reign to manifest all of your smallest insecurities whether you, you know whether you have a serious mental illness or whether it's something as tiny as anxiety or something like that he can kind of get his claws into you and drag you mm. off to the aisles and it's quite interesting in how a few of his stories he actually seems to amplify people's um, manic or I was about. Well, de- do you say demented side? Doesn't really. I guess sound so. Yeah, right. the, the word has kind the, of been demented. The, you know what I'm saying? The themes from dementia in the DLC, those sides without actually doing anything. Like the, there's a few stories where just the fear of Sheagorath alone being out to get you um, is the reason for your insanity or what drives you to madness. I think one of those is in the Myths of Sheogorath book, um, which talks about the wizard Ravate, a mighty wizard, in fact, um, who basically came to Sheogorath wanting to drive a thousand men insane. Um, and Sheogorath basically said, all right, as, as long as you give me three days to try and drive you insane. Um, and he did nothing. But of course, Ravate thought that every piece of food would be poisoned by Sheogorath or the plants would be out to get him or the people or things like that. He didn't sleep thinking that Sheogorath could invade his dreams. Um, and so he was driven crazy by nothing. Well, um, and I mean, there's another good example of that exact thing in the Accords of Madness with um, yeah. the artist who, you know, uh, uses Vermina for inspiration. And, and when it's Sheogorath's turn to inspire him, there's a line that says... 
Your whispers in his ear were replaced with silence. I severed his link to that from which he found the most comfort and meaning, and withheld the very attention the creature so desperately craved. Without his mistress, this man's character could ripen under resentment and hatred. Now his bitterness is total, and overcome by a madness fueled by his rage, he feeds me in my realm as an eternal servant. It's like, yeah, this this guy's pretty messed up, and, and messed up in a way that he doesn't really need to do anything. He just understands how to manipulate through ways that, you know, thinking outside the box to manipulate manipulate your mind. Mm. It's an interesting story, that one, because that's a story that talks about trying to make an artist, is it, um, make the most, well, make him the most hated. Mm. Um, and it's actually when, when he does nothing, he loses his... Because mm. he's kind of aware that Vaymin is helping him, that this deity is coming to him in his dreams and being his inspiration. And then with Shea Gorath, he's not aware at all. And then he thinks perhaps the gods have or this deity has forsaken him or perhaps it was imagined all along that there even was a deity and so yeah. a lot of his artwork then turns to ridiculing like gods in general yeah. and the people and kings and because he's like one of those artists that has um lots it's like lots of disgusting like controversial sort of like art that was really like provocative and that was all fueled to him by the nightmares from vaymina that he put onto the page because they had a bet who could ease um you know send him uh so make him the most hated, but it, but it's when yeah. he got to, when Vaymina for I forgot the period of time it's for a period of years or something. But then all of a sudden he just lost the nightmares and he no longer had the inspiration and so on. And then his f art from there just was terrible. I'm pretty sure like he lost the sort of like influence. Maybe they need to pull that. Yeah, it, it lost it lost the influence that people liked, but then it actually changed into. Um, a new philosophy where he challenged the gods themselves as well as the infantile public and corrupt state for worshipping them. He mocked them all with perverse caricatures, sparing no one and giving no quarter. He challenged the gods in public to strike him down if they existed. So it was this kind of angle you can imagine. Um, and then, of course, he gets executed after finally writing a piece entitled The Noblest Fool, ridiculing the emperor god Tiber Septum for integrating into the pathetic nine divines cult so one of the local kings in high rock who was also humiliated by him um executed him publicly to a cheering crowd with a ceremonial blade when i try to imagine the art i think of pikmin from fallout 4 yeah you know the quest where you get his mm. blade and there's those really unusual paintings and obviously yeah. blood all over the walls and floor. And it's interesting in in this story and also the other one, which we'll talk about with where he fights um, her scene. He has a battle of champions with her scene. The, his, all his like decisions seem mad. Like for example, like, like, or they're against reason, like a conventional reason, you know, for, for this bet, even for the nightmare one would be like, okay, I'm going to try and make him mad by doing X, Y, Z and all this kind of stuff. But instead it was a really unconventional sort of like, I'm just going to do nothing. It's just going to be silent mm. or the same thing with the, with the bird versus the where Daedroth. It's just like, I'm just going to bring this tiny little bird. And like, and you'd seem from a reasonable person would go, Oh, the bird's going to lose. But yeah, especially, especially given the amount of time they actually had with that competition. I'm pretty sure it was three years. Um, I can double check that, but I think they actually had a lot of time to go ahead and to create their beasts. Yeah, three years to the hour, and then they would do their fatal battle. And, um, and so there's a day, a where Daedroth, um, which just for clarity, because I remember I think it was in the werewolves episode or the lycanthropy episode. We were kind of wondering 
what is a where Daedra author. There's a little more clarity here explaining um, just how bad it is or how monstrous it is. Um, let me just find that. Where is it? Uh, yeah, an ancient Daedroth he summoned and imbued it with the foul curse of lycanthropy, of pitch heart and jagged fang, the unspeakable horror had no peer even among the great hunters of Hercene's sphere. So basically, out of everything in Hercene's realm, nothing has ever topped this abomination. Uh, I, I kind of see a connection with the, the the lack of reason in the way he approaches these these confrontations. It's almost ironic, you know, the idea of this this great beast created by Hercene, the god of the hunt, being bested by a tiny little bird. And when you think about it, irony is kind of how he came to be in the beginning because Shagorath didn't initially exist. It was Jiglag was kind of considered a bit too OP by the other Daedric princes, so they all colluded to kind of replace him with the opposite of his sphere. So he was all about order, and now now he's all about madness, and he becomes Sheagorath. So it's it's ironic. His whole existence is ironic, and you can see that in a lot of his dealings. You know, the same with the Vermina one, where this artist, all it took to drive him over the edge was silence. Hmm. Definitely agree. You, you can... It's actually funny, just to finish that story, the way that the bird... One, I guess we sh we've talked about it before, but just in case there's a new listener, I don't want to gloss over the bird. Um, so it actually just caught some kind of junk. I think the word is uh, detritus, like just detritus. Scrap. Yeah, yeah. Detritus, yeah, caught between the eyes of the um of the Weardaedroth and kind of fiddled at it, and basically made the Weardaedroth claw its own eyes out. So nasty way to go. Yeah, yeah, well, we talked briefly just there about Jigalag, but one of the fundamental parts we should sort of talk about is that when this whole curse happened, uh, the Grey March comes every era, though it's not really defined, like it seems like a Shivering Isles era or whatever, but every period of time, basically, Sheogorath's curse kind of comes off and then he becomes Jigalag once more, does the Grey March, destroys his whole realm and brings order to it, only to turn back into Sheogorath and rebuild the Shivering Isles once more insane but obviously if you've played the shivering isles dlc you you play as the champion of cyrodiil or hero of kvatra whatever you want to call the protagonist they end up mantling um sheogorath and they become the new sheogorath which kind of splits jigalag and sheogorath as individual people and you can sort of there's nods in the skyrim quest when you when you meet sheogorath he sort of says something uh, like a quote about like fun times in the past where he says something about like a, like a, a fox uh, amulet or something I can't remember the exact quote but it's like referencing a bunch of different guilds and, and quests from Oblivion about that but like obviously as you can see no matter what race they all sort of are like when you become a, if you're a Daedric Prince or you become sort of mantle a Daedric Prince your form isn't necessarily like it's not saying canon the hero of Kvatch was was a like human looking dude like it doesn't matter what you were it could kind of you just kind of become this old Shagorath looking thing you know what I mean his sort of form mm. I've got a question then it's an interesting one which there's no um, clear answer to I don't think but if you were mantling a god or a Daedric prince how does that work with different aspects of them like for example um, which we'll talk about Shagorath also appears in different pantheons and to the Khajiit he is a skooma cat. Yeah. 
So do you mantle that yeah, as I well, or is that a separate? No, thing? I think so it's so you're mantling the the little Alfie looking. Yeah, I, so, I think yeah. it's turning into it like animals. Yeah, I think it's like, all of it. I think because because once your data data princes can present themselves differently to everyone, and and obviously like to a lot of people, I guess they're humans and so on. But like the gods that they're most associated with, so the Khajiit, like everything's a cat to Khajiit, and they will even like present themselves physically as that you know what i mean mm. like as a you know and the nord gods it, manifesting as great nordic heroes you know rather than anything else but it's still like um i i think all of those powers are within it just to manifest differently and different cultural interpretations but i think it's your what you're mantling is still the core entity at the center of it all yeah yeah so, uh, yeah, so i guess in terms of the hero of kvatch being any race or anything like that if he's kind of mantling this the sphere then if the sphere is the daedric prince like because you're talking about like this human character that he's mantling but then it's also it is but it's also all, all interpretation yeah, yeah kind of the, the whole time. spirit in the same way that the because like even if you look at daedric prince is like the realm being an extension of their own bodies like technically you're mantling yeah. the realm as well like as part of the daedric everything prince, in yeah. it and all the daedric J artifacts. just a quick uh, reference one of the things when he's talking about the events of oblivion he unwrote like things are like butterflies blood a fox a severed head and cheese but like you know the severed head from the dark brotherhood kind of quest line mm. like blood from the blood of the daedra divine's uh, main quests and uh, the gray fox like fox and so on and but i can't help but imagine butterflies as a reference to the opening of yeah. the shivering isles dlc I interesting fact it's written somewhere <laughs> how's that for a source <laughs> that shea gorath was uh it's something like in the first 3,000 years of his life, he spent it torturing butterflies. Source, mm. trust me, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, source, trust me, bro. Um, there was always that kid can... in every in everyone's school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on. Shergorath's favorite pastime is torture, and Shergorath himself claims to have spent his first three to 4,000 years of existence tormenting butterflies before eventually growing out of it. Source... Not trust me, bro. It's Skooma Cat from the Elder Scrolls Online elsewhere. How about that? Go. I think the biggest Damn. takeaway from that is that he was able to grow out of something. I didn't think that was something that gods did. It's kind of like grow up. Kind of always. Yeah, it's interesting, Always isn't it? are. In what's strange though, like 3,000 years, like what does that mean in terms of time? Just because, you know, time in yeah. Oblivion's different. Right. Yeah, I feel mm. like a lot of the times when Daedric princes and you know Haskell says it a few times, but if if they mention time, it's they're kind of just using it as a figure of speech to kind of portray the point to a mortal who understands time or you know who is subject to it. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, yeah it, it gets confusing. I mean, I don't want to go into Calpers and different things, but yeah, it could, it, it does get a bit. Well, we mentioned we mentioned there, there that um, so there's the Skuma Cat, the Khajiit's interpretation, Shegarath. Um, but there is also the Kaima and Dunma and so on, and like we kind of briefly mentioned before, that uh, he's one of the corners of the four ho um, houses of uh, House of Troubles, and um, Shegarath, you know, is basically tries to make Dark Elves go insane. Like that's the challenge mm. he presents, and so on. And one of the things I actually love, and it is just it's just concept art. But um, it's of a Daedric mask, an armored mask and so on. It's the comforting face of tendrils, which is supposed to be a Dunma mask as an aspect of Shergorath. And this was something that they ditched in 
really going forward from Morrowind, they made it more generic demon armor, but like, and I mean, it's always looked like demon armor, but what I mean is that the actual, it had like a lot of the helmets had like a representation or significance to certain, um, Daedric princes and so on. Like, you know, there's, I think we showed it before and I think it's actually on the thumbnail, but the Daedric prince of, uh, no, it's not Terra. It's the other one. Uh, the Daedric helmet of Terra. It's one of the helmets, but it's the one of Boethia that represents Boethia. And I like that. And I wish it's something that would bring forward into the games and so on, but like, you know, really connecting Daedric armor rather than just generic Daedric demon armor, make it like, uh, you know, you can have the armor, but make some helmets and unique pieces mm. that are connected to the princes. I just think it's really cool. Like, imagine, you know, like a Daedric mask of... I mean, some, I guess, Clavicus Vile's already got his mask of Clavicus Vile, but... You, yeah. Well, I mean, look how cool that is, yeah, right? exactly. Like, that, that idea applied to all different Daedric princes... I think uh, one of the most interesting things about Sheagorath as well um, is there's a text in Morrowind and Skyrim, I forget what it's called, but there's a specific reference to Sheagorath giving mortals more knowledge than they can physically take in, like more than their capacity allows. And uh, it's it's kind of, it's interesting, especially looking at it through a Dunmore or a Kaima perspective in that being given like, a huge amount of knowledge is kind of like achieving Kim or achieving some form of enlightenment. But it's almost like Sheagorath intentionally throws it at you in such an onslaught specifically so that you stray from understanding and instead go to madness. So instead of mm. exiting, you know, the mortal realm and, and becoming, achieving Kim, you instead go to the Shivering Isles. It's like he's making you read an Elder Scroll while you're untrained and high on skooma. And you just, there's just, you just got no chance. So it's like he's he's yeah. almost fitting with the good dangerous philosophy of the Sigic endeavor, but he takes it one step too far, in that he purposely gives you way too much. Yeah, and I don't think he'd be giving uh, all of the nice knowledge to you first mm. either. I can imagine it pur purposefully being things like the black books and just jamming all that kind of stuff in your brain just to quickly add a tiny tangent related to before i sent it in the chat and you can have a look and i'll put it up on screen but there's actually a more there's a morrowind mod that puts the concept art daedric faces back into the game the ones that didn't weren't in the original that because there were three. Oh, that that's so good that's really cool i love the names too like face of the forbidden tickle yeah <laughs> like it, it's Ooh. it's cool stuff and it's like i wish i wish that kind of stuff was back into the games and, and yeah it makes and like you know even that one with Sheogorath, it makes Sheogorath a little more intimidating like sometimes that's what's cool about i guess you read about it in the lore and the chords of madness and so on but like Sheogorath isn't just whimsical cheese man he's like incredibly cruel at times like just ridiculously like mm. he's terrifying yeah, we, we gotta see that yeah. more. Mm. we gotta see that more because i think especially with the elder scrolls online or anything online that Bethesda seems to do. Like, you know, in Fallout 76, like one of the things that make Fallout so cool are the darker elements, but instead they kind of went like, you know, hard emotes and meme energy. And for me, at least, it definitely helped in killing the vibe. Mm. Uh, they, they're doing a similar thing. Like there are great parts in the Elder Scrolls Online and good parts with Shea Gorath involved, but there are also more of the, oh, the fans like cheese, make more cheese jokes. Just like, yeah. like there's there was this one quest I think I played where, or, or I watched someone play and he just said it in one quest, like a few times. And I was like, uh, yeah. stop, 
Stop the yeah. like the cheese thing was cool because not because it's cheese. Was Twelve because no one ex. <laughs> I, yeah, but also because it was unexpected. Yeah. yeah, the the contrast almost makes it more unnerving. If you know what he's capable of and you see glimpses of it, then when he's being this whimsical cheese guy, it's it's almost scarier because you know what he can yeah. switch to but instead you kind of get wallace and gromit um in daedra form <laughs> but but you know at the same time a lot is done really well it's just a little bit more of his darker side and that mask is a perfect example of it would really add to his character in game that's how elder scroll 6 should start wake up Gromit. <laughs> <laughs> apparently um sorry yeah, from dialogue yeah. in Morrowind, apparently um, they picked up more. He picked up more followers in Morrowind following the um, armistice. So when Tiber Septum, you know, took Morrowind and they made the agreement, and that uh, apparently there was more like people that flocked to Shergorath. Well, Shergorath was kind of anti-tribunal as much as the tribunal and the good Daedra were anti-Shergorath because obviously you've got the whole situation with Bar Dao, um, mm. and it's kind of you know he's drop this meteor over vivek city kind of as a as a statement to say that vivek is is false he's you know what well, i can't remember the exact words but he's essentially a mockery of the gods mm. in some ways it's interesting especially in dunma culture but in some ways he could almost personify that like um kind of crazy desperation behind uh, kind of like a gambler's mentality which may sound a bit funny at first but if you listen like um or read it says in many legends he's called upon by one dunma faction against another though whether he betrays or helps those who call him proves unpredictable so you can imagine it's kind of like hearing like oh this faction called shergorath and he helped them and so you think he'll help you and then he doesn't but then because it's this unreliable help a lot of people will get hooked in by hearing good stories only to find out that when they summon him, it's a bad roll of the dice, um, at least from their perception. He's probably got his own reasons. Yeah, he's a bit head. of a wild card. Or perhaps not. Or perhaps not. Um, yeah, he is literally a wild card, right? Mm. So it's it's a, it's a massive gamble to call upon him. Um, but you can see the appeal when he definitely helps people but then can also stab them in the back. And it's funny because in some ways he has a lot in common or, or might seem to have a lot in common, I should say, with Clavicus Vile, because Clavicus Vile also kind of makes deals. Like Sheagorath does make little deals and games with people. Um, it just seems that not always, but usually um, Clavicus Vile is somewhat fair. Like you can outsmart him. Whereas with Sheagorath, it's very much his chessboard. And if he wants to throw the pieces all over it and say, I win, I win. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. I think the only story out there of Sheagorath losing um, involves uh, the memory wand and the story of someone using the memory wand against yeah, him. I just, think that's from yeah, Legends. So. It's either Legends or Blades. I can have a look. Yeah, it's kind of the 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 idea of like the the comedy tragedy masks. You know, the smiling and the frowning, the twin jester jesters kind of um, motif. Is a is a common one. Like even in the the Malazan Book of the Fallen, like a fantasy series, I like. There's the there's Opon, which is the god that's uh, part female, part male. And if if you know you're if you're d 
doing essentially what's tarot cards in this universe and the male form comes up then it's bad luck whereas if the female form comes up it's good luck and you know so this thing can be a huge blessing or it can completely destroy you and that's it's kind of similar with Sheagorath hmm. in the lore hmm. just by, by the way I did find it is it is uh, legends yeah. and um, if anyone's interested in that it's about uh, Talon so Talon basically strikes a deal with Sheagorath to make him forget his involvement in the death of his son. Um, Sheagorath agrees, tampers with his memories, um, but does so so he thought he was fighting to cure his son of madness instead. Um, in the end, basically, Talon uses the memory wand against Sheagorath and forced him to recall his memories of when he used to be Jigalag, um, which pained Sheagorath so much that he was pleading Talon to stop. And then he ends up fulfilling Talum's wishes to let him and his companions free. So that is a very, very, very rare occurrence. Yeah. Um, that something like that happens with uh, Daedric Prince. Yeah. I, um, in terms of like, if I was just to give my subjective opinion on Shogorath, like uh, he's a solid part of it. You hate he's him. A, <laughs> he's a solid part of the, of the universe and stuff. I, I just still... I can't get around the sort of like putting him as a favorite because I feel like he's sometimes his shtick is just sort of it's unpredictable and crazy and so so sometimes it's kind of hard to like like I often find personally even like the parts I like of Sheogorath are like some of the lore bits or like the potential more darker crazy bits so I can latch onto like those parts of it but like I'm not really a giant fan of like the the, the cheese the whimsical like sometimes there's parts of it and you see it in the Shivering Isles quest uh. line like and the Shivering Isles itself is a really cool looking realm. But like, I, I like when he says, like, you know, when he's like, you're going to skip rope with your guts and stuff. And it's kind of like he's saying it's so funny, yeah. but it's kind of like he's actually deadly serious. And that's what's kind of cool. Like, I like him at times, but then other... I He just gets a bit old. I think Elder I think. Scrolls Online, I think Elder Scrolls Online and even um, even Skyrim, yeah. like, around the time Skyrim came out, and people were like, oh, I love Cher Gorath. After playing Oblivion, it felt watered down. Mm. Like it did. Yeah. I mean, Oblivion did a really good job, especially when you consider base game Oblivion before the DLC. When you talk to Sher Gorath at his shrine, he's much worse mm. than than when they actually do the DLC. They change the original shrine dialogue yeah. um, and make it different, and he he really comes to life yeah. in that DLC with, you know, the cat eyes, and it's just a interesting. Yeah, and, and I think a big character. factor when people decide he's their favorite is more than just him, but also his realm and his artifacts. Like, you know, his realm is obviously, I mean, arguably the most fleshed out of all of the Daedric realms. I feel like that's And he's got a ton of extremely cool artifacts yeah. as well that are different from just an enchanted weapon or piece of armor that, yeah. you know, while a lot of artifacts in games for understandable reasons kind of get dumbed down to be strong weapons or just you know slight buffs to something his artifacts tend to be actually very unique mm. you know like the obvious example yeah. being the wabberjack yeah but i get my one thing is like i guess i mean maybe like it, i don't know maybe it's just the randomness that sometimes doesn't appeal to me as much like it's kind of like like the sport like, oh i can do anything or like <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's fun. It's, it's 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 cool, but it's kind of like I guess when if you make if you if there's like a, a world or a something and, and everything is ridiculously alien and random and weird and whimsical, then it ceases to like stand out the same. If that make like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, or like syndrome from The Incredibles. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> when he's like, if every what? if everyone's super, then no one. Oh else. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. That. <laughs> that's a that's an epic quote to remember. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, a lot of his artifacts are like that, aren't they, Scott? Like even the fork of Heripolation. Um, yeah. It it kind Do you know of what it, uh, it's, it, gives the wielder various. It's kind Power, of sometimes right. I feel it's a little bit haha I'm so random XD like that's kind of what yeah, I get from him and I'm is. like it's a bit raw yeah and I'm just kind of like yeah. yeah I mean with the fork of horripilation um which by the way at least I learned the word horripilation from that it's like when the hairs stand up on your skin mm-hmm. um this fork smells whitely of roast beef um uh, but it is in it's imbued with an enchantment which excites and synergizes magicka around it and can produce dramatic results when held by certain people so that does have like interesting lore connotations when you when you're thinking about the elder scrolls as a song like the musical elements of it Mm. actually here's a fair like um thing in his favor like to be fair heaps of daedric prince's artifacts do change but we don't look at it through the realm of like oh it's random and it's always doing different things because that's not their sphere i know wabajack's different because that's designed to literally do a different thing every time you cast it yeah but i suppose the fork of horripilation gets a pass there doesn't it yeah yeah, I mean, obviously they could change in the gameplay, but do you know, for example, like, like you know how the Mask of Clavicus Vile, for example, has a really good story and mythology to it, regardless of how you divvy up it, its stats and stuff from game to game, you know, whether it's boosting speechcraft or buying prices or whatever, the mythology and the, and the, and the, the feel of the Mask is consistent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like... Well, I mean, like, look, and so is the Wabberjack is consistently just, like, doing its, like, whack things or so on. I guess it just appeals to me less. Like, you know, if someone's, like, tells you about, like, the ancient sort of Excalibur, it's, like, it's kind of got, like, a thing to it. It's, like, I don't know, and it's just, like, he's the random stick, it's- bang. Like, <laughs> it's, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it just yeah, has I mean, less epicness for me, and, like... I, I would say I, I would actually... Uh, prefer him to have less artifacts but higher quality ones like when you look into some of them um like they're not that interesting like the staff of ever scamp is like a it's like a a meme staff another one it's a joke it basically just has scamps permanently follow you around um also associated with namira that staff he's got his own staff the the staff of Shea Gorath, which I think is cool with an eye in it and whatnot. Hey, maybe they should do some yeah. like, and it's obviously it's, it's it's all gimmicky and stuff. But it would be fun if like, imagine if there was some kind of like mask or something. I don't know what effects, but imagine you're playing Elder Scrolls Six and there's like a Shea Gorath, like some kind of artifact that you put on that, that's wearable, but then it changes everything to like a hyper saturated and LSD color scheme or something, or like little hallucinations actually happen, mm. so you could actually play a character that is functionally that, insane that would be cool. like and that's part of the it, it would kind of thing. look a little bit like um you know do you remember that mission in far cry where you take something i think in far cry 4 and everything going all is yeah. going all rainbow yeah yeah the, i mean you you might forget but your screen actually changes in oblivion um when you have it's either felju or um what's the other one green moat one of those yeah. when you have it this the screen does distort and go all 
go all funny and you can see double and it, it genuinely makes the game hard to play like you go to fight an enemy and you like swing and you hit the double and you're like oh <laughs> yeah like didn't expect that the staff of share gorath in terms of its actual effect besides just having an eye on it is to like freeze everyone at least that's what it did in oblivion yeah. the voice of share gorath power it just it kind of like a paralysis of everyone in a 75 foot radius like yeah you know it's a it's a you you shall not pass kind of power yeah i i, I guess like because i i like more so like some of the shagora stuff in the lore and kind of what he could be like i love some of the concept art done for the shivering isles and shagorath and so on and oh like, yeah the one where he's got the the, little the, the grumite like, like grumite on, a, on a chain yeah, and, yeah that's really like and cool. you I, that would be much cooler than like, haskell kind of i, I like Haskell. yeah I do like Haskell, but imagine if Haskell was a Grumite, but with that intelligence of Haskell, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, but I, I like like those elements. I just guess I'm just down like um, take down the uh, whimsicalness a notch. It's not like whimsical is not even the word. I guess just it's the memory. You know what I mean? Like this sounds so like pretentious, but like the twelve year old humor, like the cheese. Like if you just <laughs> dial it down a bit, yeah. and then because it's it's good that <clears throat> he feels. Like when you're talking dialogue, when he feels unpredictable, that's the that's the best part. When it's like either or, like he's being all happy and friendly and nice all of a sudden, and talking about the whimsical things he loves, but then all of a sudden turns like I'm like threatens to skip with your guts and stuff like that. That's the peak, I think. And I think there's also they potential really since 2006. There. There's potential as well for kind of um, weaving in elements of like profound lore coming from him where it's like you know you're you're wading through a load of inane ramblings and then there are snippets of like actually mind-blowing information yeah. about the universe that you can actually decipher from his words or from his writings if you look deep enough and and then i don't know yeah there, there's potential there for him to be kind of more associated with the grander scheme of the universe and all the other like a, a stronger relationship with the other gods as opposed to yeah kind of being a big lewis carroll like shout out as a god which you know it, it's it's fun to go into that because it's aesthetically very pleasing and and fun but yeah he like, he should probably be more tied to Hermaeus mora than he is currently because there is a lot of crossover with that and the way the way apocrypha functions so having having more examples of him um, playing off the other princes rather than just a kind of a couple of law sources really, well, and there is we, tons of potential. I think we, it's all kind of we talked about it before, and <clears throat> Michael did a video on it, the Daedric princes and so on, and and but like what we'd kind of like to to see anyways is more Daedric prince interactions in game, like quests mm -hmm. that are perhaps like pit one against the other, and you've kind of got to choose who to mm. help and like. It it, it also the main pr I 100% agree I, I think one of the main advantages of doing it that way as well in the Elder Scrolls 6 is we don't know how long it's going to be until we get in Elder Scrolls 7 but we have all these Daedric artifacts which we all really like and so you can easily give Daedric princes multiple quests so that players have an opportunity to collect multiple artifacts from the same prince um, so you might have a quest that begins at level 20 and then the next quest for this daedric prince procs at level 40 but perhaps the level 40 quest only activates if you've also done the level 20 quest for i don't know say namira and then that quest will pit you um those two against each other and you will only get one of them one of their sorry secondary artifacts 
and it kind of promotes replayability as well mm. which so i, I like just i just popped into my somewhat related but it was just um that imagine if elder scrolls 6 is actually it's like a free game but like live service like you actually subscribe oh, and no. they <laughs> release new sort of like, like a content. Battle yeah, like a battle pass, but like there's new Daedric Prince content or new areas or new realms or new stuff that's constantly kind of expanding, expanding and adding to it like they do in multiplayer games. But it's a single player. Mm. ESO, but yeah. single player. Here, here's the new artist. single player. <laughs> but, but not, but hold on. There's a way that that can be done right though. Just hear me out. Imagine if it was just like Skyrim. So they don't compromise anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it would just feel like there's constant flow of DLC. The problem is you when you hear that, the connotations mm. there is like, oh, the quality will suffer for quantity and it will be this really well, gimmicky it, thing. Perhaps there's microtransactions. I mean, like, I'm not 100% you know. sure, but like, it, you know, obviously it's happened with Elder Scrolls Online and I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm just guessing at this, but I feel like there is more like DLC land space than the original ESO that's been there. So I wonder if they take a similar approach but it's all Given single how player how many dlcs like there are game. i'd say you're probably right yeah so like imagine if it is <laughs> l like that then maybe it starts off and it's like high rock or hammerfell or both or and and or both and it's a big deal and then they're kind of like and it's at e3 and we're gonna be doing every yeah. profit I, I just hope like, you know Whoa. you don't need to get a second mortgage in order to be able to get all the dlc let's just yeah. hope yeah that. for sure for sure that's a big that's a big thing although to and this could just be like my perspective but i always found the dlcs back in the day especially to be very fairly priced mm. like paying like what 15 or 20 dollars for the dawn guard dlc i was very happy to i feel like these mm. days that gets you like half a statue in eso <laughs> yeah. your, your, your horse armor or yeah you don't even get a what in fallout 76 you don't even get a power armor paint for yeah. that it's funny how like, like slowly, people, but people used to complain. Yeah. People used to complain back then that it was. Well, it was they they still do they now. It's just you accept it. Like they kind of they they're like oh they complain like because no one likes it. But, no, they but the complaint makes yeah. sense. The complaints mm. make sense to me at least now mm. because paying fifteen dollars or well, I should say twenty five dollars wasn't it wasn't it something ridiculous when we saw the power armor paint and converted it to oh, Australian yeah. dollars. I mean, well, it was something crazy. Recently, with the the video about the void, I was trying to get a Sifis statue to show off, and it would have cost the equivalent of like thirty to thirty five Australian dollars to get. No, are you I, is yeah, that including I think the deal? Yeah, it was like well, it was just raw, um, like three thousand odd crowns, whatever that translates to. And uh, okay. I mean, like I've got the the dark heart of skyrim dlc so i'm like all right i'm gonna go get some footage of the dark heart but wait you need to go to markov which is a separate dlc <laughs> I'm like, oh my god like i really want to like this game but it's, it does break the bank <laughs> anyway i'm you know these this is a tangent yeah i know you've got you've got me on the elder scrolls online store now i'm trying to like because i i could not, be wrong because i was taking that it. off of what a forum was saying um so maybe the person was wrong but it said oh, no, it was three thousand and something oh okay well i'm it's giving me the option to buy 1500 here for 11 great british pounds i don't know that's about it's 17 that. or 18 dollars i think uh 20 20, 20 apparently 20 dollars 50 australian so double that would be 40 dollars. i don't know I, I don't know if the look if i'm wrong statue. then i very much apologize and yeah, it's not overpriced fine. at all nothing about it is <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll concede that but but yeah i mean uh, there's, there's definitely a, there's nothing a wrong thread with going down the thread. dlc road 
but DLC as in con- read if it's reasonable. content, if it's like actual extra areas, new quests, new lands, new items, all within it. But if they start selling the items or selling like here's your new piece for your house or settlement or whatever the hell, I'm 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 optimistic that that would never happen because I think if they go if there's going to be microtransactions and DLCs, it won't. They they will try to avoid detracting from the original experience. And if if most items like a bunch of Daedric artifacts are in the store, then they've kind of screwed themselves for quest ideas with Daedric princes and yeah. things like this. So, you know, like uh, as much as it's fun to be pessimistic, I'm sure Elder Scrolls Six is is very much not going to have any of these practices. I don't even know if they will do like a live service kind of thing because I don't know how well it kind of could, works out monetarily. Like the DLCs. Could I just? Can I just butt in and say I've done some little web crawling and I'm seeing forums like, how can I build the Sith statue without spending three and a half thousand crowns? <laughs> yeah. so okay. Like, okay. Well, I, was... well, I think you might be justified. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, this is, this is yeah, Back to Shea Gorath. Shea Gorath was We've behind this From one madness, madness. Yeah, to the other. The Folium Discognitum is another one of his artifacts. It's basically... Um, I like the the look of it and the idea that like the the pages have these incomprehensible scrolls that move to avoid your gaze when you try to read them. But ultimately, it is just another tome that like makes you crazy. Yeah. Like when you read it, which is very similar to um, both the Black Books mm. and the Ogmer Infinium. Um, I do like the little story behind it about how Archmage Shalador, hungry for knowledge, traded an entire island, wasn't it? Um, yeah, the oh, island of yeah. Ivy. Ivia for the tome in the first era, which he went on to regret and then get get got the island back, but Shagorath said, Okay, you can have the island back, but he left a bunch of Daedra on it, which uh for Elder Scrolls Online purposes you had to go clear that zone. Um but you know, there's a decent story there for that artifact. I, I like to imagine and the the way the kind of the text moves away from your gaze, kind of like, you know, when those things in your eyes move mm-hmm. away and you're trying to catch it and you have yeah. to read it out of your peripherals or something. It's like maddening just to think about yeah it'd be pretty crazy um gamble putty or putty the ambiguous glove this it's just an extravagant right glove from morrowind which i'm pretty sure is entirely ceremonial oh it fortifies agility intelligence personality and luck at the cost of draining others uh endurance speed strength and willpower its main role is ceremonial used as a sacrificial offering to shagrath's shrine okay hmm a glove <laughs> and um his regalia is i guess technically an artifact you can get his outfit at the end of the shivering isles dlc uh which on a female looks different i, I wonder if you've seen that i feel like i have it then for some reason i feel like i've played a there's a dress yeah. there's a shagorath dress basically if you're playing a female yeah. character which <clears throat> looks cool <clears throat> and and we should mention the because it has a good story to it the neb crescent so this is basically a cursed sword um and when you pick it up it just makes you go absolutely wild and want to kill everyone around you in a fit of rage mm-hmm. and this was the final and third and final story in the 16 accords of madness text um and that involves shagorath uh tricking malakath into killing his own son hmm Yes, I are we. T- I feel like we. I feel like it came up in the Malakath podcast, which wasn't that long ago. I don't think. I mean, yeah. weeks ago. It's just a perfect example of Shea Gorif kind of just um, 
contriving the best possible way to not only beat his opposition but do it in the, the way that's going to humiliate and upset them as much as possible and obviously when it comes to Malakath his kin um, matters more to him than anything so what do you the think in terms of interpretation like I, I don't know maybe if this is like like I know you're Michael, you're comparing to like Clavicus Vile before about deals and so on. And I, I was sort of thinking like maybe one of the differences is that like Clavicus Vile is very conniving and is sort of deliberately trying to screw the other person. Whereas for Shagorath, at least the way I sort of envision it, is that he just has a change of heart because he's insane. He just fucking flips and changes his mind. He's almost like you're speaking to a different person at each time. Like you, maybe now he's completely like... You know, oh, I'll make mm. this deal with you. And so, uh, rather than sort of a malevolentness, like all of his cruelty and everything as a result of his just straight up insanity. Like if you imagine some really unhinged person who is a god mm. and then all of a sudden like, you know, he's helping you because you worship him and so on. And then all of a sudden he's having a bad like internal drug trip because that's mm. what his mind's all the time. And you look like some evil kind of thing. And then he's like, no, nah, let's kill you, <clears throat> you know? And yeah, it, it, he's very unpredictable. It's like... Clavicus vile with no rules. Yeah. There there are no rules. And I think if you outsmart him, if he can get his revenge, I mean Clavicus vile doesn't always have it, but you you feel like with vile that there is this fair play element like oh you got me, mm. like good on you mortal. Yeah. Whereas I don't think Shagorath would look upon that so kindly. Yeah. Yeah. Shagorath would hit you with the you get what you can deserve kind of yeah. yeah. Well, I guess, <laughs> yeah. like, that's what I guess I want to see from Shagorath more is proper insanity rather than just, haha, I'm funny. Like, like rather than, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't like, you know, adhere to normal um, norms. I just talk about um, cheese <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, if there's one thing I've learned from this podcast, it's that Scott's obsessed with talking about cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my favorite tiktok that one wake up gromit we've got to hide the body <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. no dogs yeah. in prison gromit you'll be put down <laughs> <laughs> oh. anyway what else is there to say about shagorath i suppose you know earlier how i was talking about um one of the myths of shagorath um, so there was this wizard, Ravate, who was the one who wanted to make people insane. Mm -hmm. um, and then Shagorath made him insane. This is from a text called Myths of Shagorath. There's three different myths. Um, but are they just myths or are they real? How, how do we know? I don't know. You... Like, is it just a... Is it a is it a fantasy? Is it fiction, or is you can't it? Can't know. Myth There's is an interesting. Myth, myth can be real, and the myth other... makes <laughs> myth makes reality. That's true. Um, there's a little story there called Shagorath invents music, which is just pretty grotesque, but sums him up pretty well. And it basically is he's looking at the mortal realm, he's looking at Nern, and he's thinking, "Gosh, this is so boring." And uh, this woman comes to him and and talks about how oh the sounds of the birds are so beautiful. Oh, she just comments it to herself, I think, actually. She's nearby. She's like, oh, the birds are so beautiful. And then Shagorath silently agrees with her and thinks, yeah, but it's a shame because the mortals can't, you know, make the beautiful sounds that certain creatures can. And so to give mortals music, he kills this woman. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and he just rips her to pieces, and from her tendons he makes lutes, and from her skull and arm bones he made a drum, from her other bones, I'm assuming, he made flutes, and he presented these gifts to the mortals, and thus music was Just born. as to like the, uh, the talking about myths and which, um, like if you there can be real or not, I guess a good like thing framework to work with the Elder Scrolls too is that even in like you know, you can look at uh, Michael Kirkbride and, and a couple of other people that have talked about like world building in general. They'll say, um, you know, what does what does the it's going along lines of like what does the king think, what does the the commoner think, like what does the dog think, and, and like these different stages of belief. So like this kind of myth might make more sense to someone who like might be a peasant, like doesn't have an understanding and like an arcane understanding of things, like like all of these myths come from different people from different walks of life who have different levels of understanding. So when you're, but when you're looking like, you know, if you're us looking at the law, we're just looking at it with like a total and all knowledge, but you got to remember like all of the people inside the universe don't have access to this full understanding. Like, because a lot of it's illegal too in the empire, like a lot of Daedric Prince understanding, you have to kind of join Daedric cults or be part of big magic institutions and stuff to really get a lot of, and mm. to add to that as well, um, it is an easy way to reconcile conflicting accounts and whatnot. But because of the Kalpic system, the idea that, you know, the universe has its cycles where everything ends and begins again in slightly different ways. But, it, you know, the cycle keeps going is you can reconcile all kinds of myths where, you know, some may say that Ifray started, you know, he created music in his song of forests and things like that. Or maybe Shergoreth did it in the in this instance, but you could you could easily say that in the dawn of another Cowper, different gods were responsible for different things and who we consider to be ancestors and Daedra um isn't necessarily the same in every Cowper. So yeah, there's there's the kind of their myths whack. can be built up despite them not working alongside what we currently know yeah it's a bit of whack part but like one of them i think it's in the complete guide to gods but the idea that all of the creation stories are kind of like equally valid in ways and like there's evidence for all of them like for example like sovereign guard gives validity to shore and you know the sort of nordic understanding of like your shore's death fight against elven gods and so on Whereas you go to the Khajiit stuff and elsewhere, which gives validity to their version of creation events. And it's kind of... It's so cool, isn't it? That instead of like, oh, we don't know whose story's real. It's like all the mm. stories are real. Yeah, in the way... Because the Dawn yeah. era, remember, when, when, you come around, <clears throat> when you come around in the Kalpa, like, it's kind of the time. Like, there wasn't like a linear sort of time yet. Mm. It wasn't... It's all insane. It's and all nothing. a jumble yeah. of it's endings and beginnings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is interesting actually in that myths book that wizard Ravate um, once walked the winds of time to find Lord Shergorath. I wonder what that means because winds of time, specifically winds and time, start with capital. Like they kind of made it sound like an actual hmm. thing, not just like oh the passage of time. Do you know what I mean? Like the winds yeah. of time with the capital letters. It's quite cool. My favorite story, actually, in the midst of Shergorath text is actually the one with King Lyandir. Um, do you know the story of King Lyandir? You going to tell us? Well, I'm go uh, well, it's quite long, but I do like the whole thing. Um, I'll try and give you the cliffs, which is basically, <laughs> there's King Lyandir, and he is extremely rational. Like, he's a very logical thinker, and he, the people in his kingdom like him um, because he makes good decisions. 
and um, he decides to live in a palace that's small. It's not grand. There's no art in it. He doesn't waste a single penny on extravagance. And because of his good decisions, his city is quite prosperous and his citizens, um, they don't follow the frugal example and they throw, you know, they make houses that are beautiful to look at, though not very practical. And they devote time and energy to art and they have these lavish festivals to celebrate and they're a happy society. Um, and so stage by stage to try and show his people how to be more like him because he thinks that they will benefit greatly from it, he puts more and more restrictions on the town. So at first he basically says um, all new buildings must be super simple, unadorned and no larger than was necessary to function. The people didn't like this, but life goes on. Um, but then because they save money by not spending it on housing, it just goes into their celebrations and art and that kind of thing. Um, so then he basically bans the next thing, which is art. He bans all art in the city. Um, but then they devote even more time and money to parties and festivals. And then finally he bans parties and festivals. And so as a result, um, they get so desperate for help that they go and pray to the gods and Sher Gorath comes along to help him. Um, and Sher Gorath essentially um, appears to the king in a dream. And I like this description because he appeals not, appears not as a flower, but a field of flowers. And instead of the petals, they're all arms. And in the middle of each one is the face of Sher Gorath. Hmm. <laughs> and he says, I am Lord of the creative and Lord of the deranged. Since you have no use for my gifts of creativity, I have decided to bless you with an abundance of my other gift. Um, and from that day on, every child born into that city was born into madness. And it took a while too, because, you know, you can't really tell a kid is mad when they're so young. But eventually, after a few years, people realized that everyone being born was mad. And one of these mad people was the king's son. And there's this cool in, uh, moment. Um, and the king doesn't change his ways still, in spite of this. Uh, his son ends up killing him when his son is 12. He stabs him. And he goes to his son, why did you do this? And his son goes, it, it is the most practical thing I could do. Um, it's pretty which sus. Is, you know, qu quite an, <laughs> but it's quite an ironic demise. You know, it's like that hyper-rationalism. Oh, I just did the most rational thing. Um, and also, it's not like some super fair outcome, but Sher Gorath's never like incredibly, incredibly fair. Um, and the new, so then he becomes king. He orders all of the palace servants slaughtered. He throws a grand festival um, made with a, with a, sorry, serving a stew made from the carcasses of the palace servants um, and orders the east facing walls of every building painted red, the west facing walls painted in stripes. All citizens must wear ornate masks on the back of their heads. He burned down the palace then to construct a new one. Um, he didn't want his personal chambers to have any door for fear that small woodland creatures would attack him. He ordered that it have no windows for fear that the sun and moon were jealous of him and plotting his death. Um, and so ends the line of King Leander and the city returns to their grand works and crazy celebrations. And Shea Gorath now blesses the city with its more than its fair share of highly creative and artistic oh, that's pretty cool actually like i like that that story that's a good one yeah me that's too it's one. and like that's the kind of show Gorath. i just want to see more in game like that kind of level of in mm -hmm. insanity 
But it's also, as we were just talking about um, mythology and like whether the, there's validity to it, to me, it kind of sounds like a Breton king maybe or so on. But one thing you've got to... Yeah, it, does, it doesn't but, say. Yeah, it does it's vague. about these myths. You don't, you don't know where they are. But, but land, it, in yeah, the way that imagine. like believes... Uh, um, myths can be believed it's the same as um like you know like king arthur is completely fictitious but it, it becomes like an important myth and people the reason it, like you know it keeps going on like people going oh that didn't happen necessarily because they can kind of you can trick like people into believing it over centuries or so on you know what i mean like people can kind of you know and, and like how they, they suggest that like lots of like characters like you know that even king arthur is like an amalgamation of, of, a, of a bunch of different kings that did the things and it kind of comes out in this like little myth or something like i wonder what the truth is behind the the king lyandia stuff or something or if it's just a cultural myth or there was any like root in actual history but mm. you just remember like from the point of view like all, all of these myths to me for some reason like they seem very like from someone without like an expansive understanding of shergorath like it doesn't sound like a myth i guess that that um that like a, a like a sorcerer is telling you or something. It sounds like a myth that, you know, the, the common folk yeah, are talking hear about. Yeah, Whereas yeah, some, yeah, some of the others, sure. like maybe the Accords of Madness, sometimes seem like kind of more real. They're a bit I don't know, the way they're written as well. Know. But it's cool. I, that's what yeah. I love about the Old Scrolls. Like unreliable narrator is just this. Maybe this is I don't know. If this is a hot take or if it's a lukewarm take or whatever. But just like I think it's the, it is the best for world building it, like unreliable <laughs> yeah, narrator like you just the, the second you start giving like concrete answers it loses its yeah it's not juiciness. only does it keep it malleable and allows you to make changes but it makes it more realistic and believable because yeah and like yeah, it's the kind of thing and like what like life. a drive for humans and everything has been a lot of it's been like exploration and learning and so on but when you learn it or you or you know it or you see it you kind of take it for granted and it stops being this sort of exciting discovery of new things you know so yeah and i think that's probably what sh part of what share gorath wanted to prove to that city mm -hmm. that life is not so straightforward and logical and not everything has to make sense i do <coughs> like the idea that um he is called a sithis shaped hole of the world and was born when lorcan's divine spark is removed right so that's suggesting is born that's from varieties of yeah, faith born when Lorcan was created I uh, was so ripped his heart had his heart ripped out and Mundus was created right. I mean it, it would make sense that a god so involved with mortals kind of needs yeah. you know mortals I mean it just uh, I can read you exactly what it says it's contemporary sources indicate that his roots are in old Mary creation stories therein he is born in quotes when Lorcan's divine spark is removed mm. one crucial myth calls him the sithis shaped hole of the I, I love that kind I want to think about that more because I feel like yeah. there's potential there for a good video and like a lot more yeah. information that isn't immediately present but yeah go on I'll send it to you as a reminder it's um I, mean, I, I just love I, I love all of this um sort of mythology and, and stuff and, and development of myths it's, what's even crazier to consider is like obviously for <clears throat> gameplay reasons they don't have like different languages and so on but when you consider that all of these like you know they would have different differing languages and so on like there there is like you know they say there's aldmeri and Dwemer languages and stuff like that so obviously in the somerset isles the reality would be that they're all sort of speaking like an aldmeri language like their native language or so on but then you have these like myths as they go 
as you go further and further back, it's like, I wonder what they called these things as ideas or so on as you get really, really ancient. Like in, in, um, in Nedic mythology, some early, early tribesmen stuff, there's references to, like, I forgot it was like a, they, it was like an animism kind of thing, but they call it the bee or something, the mother bee or something. And there's kind of connections. I, I forgot what video it was. I was connecting it to, um, to Mara because um, Morwa, sorry, in Hammerfell, um, is seen often with a beehive. Was it the video of the Aelid Kings? Perhaps, perhaps it was that, but I don't know. But <clears throat> that, um, but yeah. Anyway, it's just interesting that like all, all, of the a lot of these gods could go by completely different kind of concepts or names or whatever in ancient times, mm. and you get different mm. nods to different things. Like, you know, in the Aelid Kings one, one of them was oh the insect god. Maybe it was that, and I was going further to try and connect it to whatever's there, because there's not a lot to connect insect god, but could also be something. Well, <coughs> and you can see it in in simple examples like Elysia as well. Is that you if if statues are erected of of figures who are important to you or gods, you're going to portray them in ways that are familiar to you. So you know, in the in the arena district, Elysia just looks like a kind of almost just looks like a noblewoman in a nice dress. But then you see other depictions of her where it's much more tribal and bestial and, and influenced by the alien culture at yeah, the time. A really good example of that, um, I think it's in the same area as the Mora House. Is a man. He's just yeah. a man in armor and so on because they start like perceiving <laughs> yeah, him like yeah. that. I guess. Yeah. Because. Yeah. You know, a big bull with wings might not be palatable to the, <laughs> yeah. to the future empires of man. Mm. I suppose as a if as a final thing to say about Sheagorath, unless you two have other insights, is about how those who worship him seem to find the best in all of the uh, mental struggles that the various inhabitants of his realms have. There's a text, the blessings of Sheagorath. The 13 blessings. And uh, it says, Blessed are the madmen, for they hold the keys to secret knowledge. Blessed are the phobic, always wary of that which would do them harm. Blessed are the obsessed, for their courses are clear. And the addicts, I'll skip the blessed are each time. The addicts, may they quench their thirst that never ebbs. The murderous, for they have found beauty in the grotesque. The fire lovers, for their hearts are always warm. The artists, for in their hands the impossible is made real. The musicians, for in their ears they hear the music of the soul. The sleepless, as they bask in wakeful dreaming. The paranoid, ever watchful for our enemies. The visionaries, for their eyes see what might be. The pain lovers, for in their suffering we grow stronger. The mad god who tricks us when we are foolish, punishes us when we are wrong, tortures us when we are unmindful, and loves us in our imperfection. That's pretty wholesome, considering the subject material. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up the Elder Scrolls podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on social media in the comments below or pick up some sweet Fudge Muppet merch. My name is Michael, and we all look forward to nerding out with you again very soon.